0: So let's pray together, and then we'll begin our study uh, this morning, which is more of a topical study, and it's on the promise uh, of the Holy Spirit. So, so let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this morning and give a, giving us an opportunity to worship you. But I pray, Lord, that this morning could be an encouragement, Lord, to appropriate all the good things that you have for our hearts and our lives, and Lord, that you'd help me, Lord, um, to be able to communicate in a way that uh, can be understood, uh, to be able to encourage our hearts that we could act on the word of God, and so, Lord, I ask for your help in being able to uh, teach your word uh, this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. So John chapter 7, these three verses that we looked at the last time, 37, 38, and 39, um, they're familiar to you, but let's read them again. And let's remind ourselves of the context of Jesus speaking them to the people of his day. And then we're going to try to cross the bridge over to how do we apply these things to our life and how do we appropriate this promise of the Holy Spirit that, that jesus gives so verse 37 of john chapter 7 on the last day of the feast the great day jesus stood up and cried out if anyone thirsts let him come to me and drink and this aspect of thirst has been a recurring theme as we've looked at the gospel of john we looked at john chapter 3 and nicodemus and nicodemus comes in and he's thirsty uh, for the things of god he's he comes to Jesus at night because he has this great movement within his soul to approach Jesus, and then Jesus uh, uh, gives this brilliant man uses the uh, metaphor of wind uh, to describe uh, really what the Holy Spirit wants to do in Nicodemus's heart. Nicodemus is a, was a very religious man, and what the Lord Jesus is calling him to is to appropriate all that God has for him in his heart of hearts we saw the woman at the well and the same metaphor thirstiness and Jesus says man if you drink the water I'm going to give you you will never what you will never thirst and the the Samaritan woman goes oh please give me that please give me that water so that I'd never have to come to this well again. And then she gets what? She gets really religious. And, uh, and Jesus speaks to her heart and says, oh, why don't you go get your husband? And in that moment, the shell that's around her heart is broken. And she responds to Jesus. She drops her water jars, leaving her old life behind, and goes to the village and says, come and see, come and see the Messiah, come and see this man who's told me everything about my life. And so there's this remarkable uh, uh, picture here of Jesus encountering the religious people of his day and inviting them not just to stay in their religion, but to come and to experience the forgiveness, the blessing, and the favor of God in their heart of hearts. And that's really where we come each and every Sunday. We come, Lord, would can we step into all that you have for us? Lord, would you would you work in our heart? Would you satisfy the longings that we have in our soul? Come back to John chapter seven. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. In verse 39, We're going to expand this morning. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit has not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Come with me to Acts chapter 1 this morning, and uh, look at verse 5. So Acts chapter 1 verse 5, Dr. Luke is quoting Jesus. And Jesus says this, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So we have this term here that's used by Dr. Luke, that you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now when some people hear that word, you get an immediate picture in your mind of, say, Pentecostal experience or Pentecostal church, and like you, like you take a step back. Some of you hear that word, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you get a picture of your mind of a Pentecostal church, and you take a step into it. And this word, uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, can be a confusing word, and it can prevent us either from stepping into what God really has for us, or being reluctant by stepping back. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit is used in two overlapping ways in the New Testament. It's used by the, mainly by the Apostle Paul. We could look at 1 uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 12, say 6 and 7, and the Apostle Paul uses it to, de- to describe what? when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're baptized into, what, one body, one spirit, and Paul uses it to describe what happens at conversion. And so he he uses that through most of his literature, most of his writings. Paul talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit as what happens to a believer when they become born again, or when they receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they're regenerated 2 Corinthians 5:17, they're made a brand new creature, right? Now, Dr. Luke in the Gospel of Luke and throughout the book of Acts, Dr. Luke uses it in a different way. He uses it to describe something that happens either at conversion or something that comes after conversion and so that's the problem when we use the term the baptism of the holy spirit what are we referring to are we referring to what happens at conversion or are we are we referring to something that happens afterwards and the the difficulty for us is that if we don't clarify these terms then we either do one or two things what do we do we either step away from it, right, or we step into something that's not quite right. And so when we look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, come with me to, uh, well, let's look at this PowerPoint here. So what do we got here? Alex is moving it right right along. So the baptism with the Holy Spirit occurs at regeneration or conversion or after, and we have some examples of that. So in the household of Cornelius, in Acts chapter 10, what happens? Cornelius, his whole household, comes to faith in Jesus Christ. And what is exhibited there? What we see is a move of the Holy Spirit in their, in their hearts and in their lives. But the disciples, they had a different experience. They were regenerated, and only afterwards did they receive the Holy Spirit. Come with me to Luke chapter 24 this morning and see a little bit different sequence that we see from the disciples. So we're at Luke chapter 24, and let's read verses 49 through 53. Luke records again Jesus speaking, and Jesus says, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are... Clothed with power from on high, speaking of that same promise that's going to happen in acts one five in verse fifty and he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands he blessed them and while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven verse fifty two and fifty three and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, blessing God. And so the disciples, they're there worshiping Jesus. They're they're blessing Jesus. They're praising him, giving evidence that they had been cleansed. And Jesus uses that language, all of you have been cleansed, you know, except one, that being Judas. And we see that they're worshiping God and praising him, but God had something what for them? God had something more for them something that would indwell them and fill them and empower them. Let's take a look at the next little slide here. So every Christian needs to be filled again and again with the Spirit. And so when the disciples came, they already knew Jesus, right? And Peter was at Pentecost. And he, what happened at Pentecost with Peter? He was filled with the Spirit what happened in acts 4:8 and in acts 4:31 he was again filled with the spirit when we look at paul's exhortation paul's command in that present tense paul says to be continually filled with the holy spirit over and over again and so how do we figure this out well let's put it in very simple terms how are you living your christian life are you living it in your own strength? Or are you asking God, fill me with your spirit? Fill me with your spirit so that I can worship you. Fill me with your spirit so that I can serve you. Fill me with your spirit so I can be a good witness to you. See, the New Testament describes two, say, baptisms of the Holy Spirit one that happens at conversion. You're sealed, the promise of the Holy Spirit, witnessing deep within your heart that, that God is now your Abba Father. And then there's that other one that we all need on a day-to-day basis. You know, when I'm driving in here on Sunday mornings, I'm not listening to the radio. I'm not listening to K-Love, although that's beautiful praise music. I'm praying this simple prayer. Lord, would you fill me with your spirit so that I can communicate your word? Lord, would you fill me with your spirit so that, that somehow, through the foolishness of preaching, people would be encouraged to pursue Christ with all their heart? When I go into and visit people that are in ICU unit, ICU unit, and they're intubated, and they have that gray, ashen skin color, And death is present. Lord, fill me with your spirit so that when I go into this room, I can pray a prayer of faith for healing. Lord, fill me with your spirit so I would not look at things through human eyes. Fill me with your spirit, Lord, so that I could see what you're doing. And you know, from time to time, I've gone into those ICU units, I've anointed people with oil. And I have seen some amazing things that God has done. But he hasn't done it through my own strength, my own intellect. He's done it by the work and the power of his Holy Spirit. And so the question, my friends, is simply when you boil it all down, is that are you living in your own strength, in your own wisdom? Are you dependent upon the work of God as Jesus says that rivers of living water would do what? Would flow out and so that you would be blessed and that you would be a blessing to others. To kind of get you in touch with the feeling of of what this what this shift looks like of not trusting in yourself but trusting in God to live life, let me walk you through the Billy Graham experience, and you can just pretend you're in a Billy Graham conference. Now, I'm not Billy Graham, so I get it, but you haven't been to a Billy Graham conference or, or maybe sometimes here I'll say this. I'll say, if God is speaking to your heart, I want you to close your eyes. So every eye, you don't have to do it unless you want to. Every eye closed here. And then, I, then I'll talk a little bit more. Billy Graham will talk. You know, if God's speaking to you, he's knocking at the door of your heart. You know that? You know that experience? And then what comes next? Every eye's closed in the presence of God. If you want to respond to God, do what? Raise your hand before the Lord. Then it goes on a little bit more. It goes on a little bit more. And then it's like, now if you want to respond to God, stand up. And that goes a little bit longer, "Come forward." And he always has the ushers and greeters come forward so you know you feel a little bit more confident. But do you remember those times in church life where, where the preachers done that? Raise your hand, stand up. That's happened to me. Back in August of 2012, I was up at Alton Bay, and there was this missionary preacher there. And he was like going for it, going for the heart. And he says, If God is speaking to your heart, I want you to stand up in your seat. Just like that. You know, like he's from down south, so they got the rolling going on. And what what do you think I said at that moment? Said, No way. I ain't standing up. People know me here. What are they going to think? That, ooh, there's Pastor Conway's walking the aisle. Must be some great sin in his life. (laughs) And the guy wouldn't let it up. And you know, there must have been like 200 people there. And no one moved. No one moved. And God spoke to my heart. He goes, Edward? He goes, am I speaking to your heart? Yes, Lord? Edward? If you can't respond, how do you expect to lead your people to respond? And I was like, yes, Lord. <laughs> and I was the only one that stood up. And then the preacher goes, you want to respond to what God's speaking in your heart? Come forward. I was like, no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I, I walked the aisle at Alton Bay. And they were scared because everybody knew Pastor Ed. They didn't even want to come to pray for me. I'm standing there and he's going on and on and on. Finally, a group of little old ladies has mercy on us. And they two or three little old ladies get up and then he, he comes and then he, then he puts his hand on me and starts praying. Oh, whatever's in his heart, he doesn't want to ask me. Finally, he asked me, how, how, how can I pray for you? And I see the sweat. Said, I'm just stuck. I'm stuck. And I need God to work in my heart. That's what it looks like. That's what Jesus is calling Nicodemus to. That's what Jesus is calling the woman at the well to. That's what Jesus is calling all these religious people that are celebrating. Pouring water. He's saying, will you trust me? Will you, will you ask for that living water, that baptism of the Holy Spirit in your heart, and in your life, so that you can stop living in your own strength and let God empower you to live the life that he has for you. And I'm here today to say this. That this works. Not only is it biblical, but when life gets you, Lord, fill me with your spirit. When you've got, when you have crazy neighbors that take their snowblower and blow their snow into your driveway, fill me with your spirit, Lord. And I just want to say for the record my crazy neighbors were not the Carmichaels, just to be clear. I don't want to put any thoughts in your mind. See, these things, this truth is really not for Sunday morning. It's for Monday morning. When you come to work and it's difficult, Lord, fill me with your spirit. When you're dealing with a, different co- a difficult coworker, Lord, fill me with your spirit. When you're facing obstacles in your life and your heart is broken and you've got nowhere to go, Lord, fill me with your spirit that I could live my life in the strength that you provided through the cross of Jesus Christ and the promise of the Spirit coming that would fill you so that rivers of living water. It's taken a long time to understand this. You know, my my uh, my life as a Christian started out in, uh, in Pentecostalism. And uh, that was... It was both good and weird. In my education, you know, my MDiv was basically uh, in a Baptist school, Baptist theology, cessationism. And people were worried here, you know, like, what's he gonna do with the church? <laughs> but the doctorate, the doctorate at Alliance, brought both those together. A robust intellectual pursuit of the things of God, coupled with Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, unless you fill my heart and life, there's no hope for me going into that ICU room. There's no power to lay hands on people and to see them healed and set free. There's only Ed, and he ain't enough. And so when the... when Jesus comes to these people and he says, I have a promise. He's talking about letting that Holy Spirit dwell within you, leaning into a dependence upon God and not self, that you find joy to live life when life is hard. Let's look at a couple more points and then we'll move to a close this morning. What do you got here, Alex? The apostle Peter gives instructions for how to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Come with me to Acts chapter 2. And there's five things here that we can see that if you are in that place where I've where I've somehow got beyond you know our our prejudice either either against the Holy Spirit or somehow a, a lack of understanding, how can we appropriated well come with me to Acts chapter 2 verse 38 and Peter said to them Peter said what to them yeah Yeah. you you read verses 1 through 37 and it's all about Jesus it's all about the cross it's all about his death it's all about his burial it's all about his resurrection it's all about the gospel. See, to appropriate, we'll do that in a minute. To appropriate the gospel is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, to be converted, regenerated. Need to preach the gospel. Secondly, we we must we must respond to the gospel. In other words, through and response is what? Repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. It's about, yeah, I do believe, Lord. Thirdly, we must ask for the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in simple faith. Asking for the, the Lord to give us the good gift that he's promised. Sure, we've received the Holy Spirit at salvation. He's come and sealed us, washed us, blessed us, put us in the body of Christ. But did Peter need more than Pentecost? Yes, he did. Did Peter need more than than just that one dabble, do you? He certainly did. Do we need that? Yeah, we need that. Do we need it on Sunday morning? Well, some of you do. But most of you are okay on Sunday morning. You're nice. You don't swear at the pastor. You know, you're tempted to, but, you know, you, got, you know, you're on your best behavior. But do you need, Lord, fill me on Monday morning? Yeah. Do you need it when you're talking to your neighbor? For sure. Do you need it when life is difficult? Absolutely. Take a look at uh, Verse 40. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. What's what's Peter talking about here? He's saying, live a holy life. Do you know the Holy Spirit flows in and out of a vessel that's clean? That if you live a holy life, a passionate Lord, help me walk in your ways. That's a vessel the Holy Spirit says, yeah, I want to. Instead of getting, you know, the, the Merrimack River flowing out of you, you get that Poland Spring, you know. And finally, look at verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now that's, I'd like to see that. That would be pretty cool. Open the door in the parking lot and see 3,000 people. But what is he saying here? obedience obedience are like the hinges on a door they're like the hinges of our heart and when we're predisposed in our heart to walk in holiness in obedience to him man the Holy Spirit just loves that fills our heart fills our life and what is the point of obedience for many people in our culture in New England? It has to do with baptism. Mainly with guys. Women seem to be a little bit more willing to obey the Lord in baptism. But guys go like this, I ain't doing that. I've been baptized. I got See, I got my certificate that I was baptized as an infant. And you know, I don't make a big deal about it, but that ain't what the Lord's talking about. The Lord's talking about baptism, immersion in water, as a sign of obedience to the commands of Christ. Baptism as a public display that I believe in the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that the Holy Spirit will fill. That vessel is going to find rivers of living water coming in and coming out. And so Peter puts it to him. And so let me close with where I kind of begin. How you live in your life. Who are you depending on? Who's your strength? Who's your joy? Monday morning at work, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Dealing with your neighbor, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Serving in church, Lord, fill me with your spirit so that I can minister to others. Living life when your heart is broken, fill me with your spirit, Lord, so that I may know your healing, your peace in your grace so with every with every eye closed <laughs> with every head bowed would you raise your hand would you stand would you come forward see that emotion i, I ain't doing that lord that's what he wants to change like he did for me in august of 2012 Yes, Lord, I need your spirit. Yes, Lord, I can't pastor in my own strength. Yes, Lord, I can't live life. I can't live life without you. Amen? Let's prepare our hearts uh, to receive the Lord's table this morning.